1: The final installment of the Fertilizer Files, a special True North report, reveals the federal government considered following in the footsteps of the European Union which asked member states to introduce policies to reduce fertilizer use. But the controversial policy, when applied in countries like the Netherlands, led to widespread protests, tractor convoys, and clashes with authorities.
2: Former Alberta Chief Medical Health Officer, Dina Hincha, has been hired on a six-month contract as British Columbia's Deputy Provincial Health Officer.
1: And Conservative leader Pierre Polyev says British Columbia's permissive policies on illicit drug use have been a failure. Hello, Canada. It's Thursday, February 2nd, and this is the True North Daily Brief. I'm Anthony Fury.
2: And I'm Rachel Emanuel.
1: We've got you covered with all the news you need to know. Let's discuss the top stories of the day and the True North exclusives you won't hear anywhere else. Part 3 of True North's exclusive Fertilizer File Special Report, documents reveal that the federal liberal government considered following in the footsteps of the European Union when it came to agriculture emissions reduction plans. They asked member states to introduce policies to reduce fertilizer use altogether. And the controversial policy led to widespread protests, tractor convoys, and clashes with authorities in countries like the Netherlands. About a year after the voluntary federal target was first announced, encouraging Canadian farmers to reduce emissions from fertilizer usage in the name of fighting climate change, the industry group Fertilizer Canada raised their concerns that Ottawa would follow in the footsteps of the European Union's strategy, which mandates a 20% wholesale reduction in the use of fertilizer. And in an email to the Ministry of Agriculture, the organization's rep went on to urge that Quote, the approach taken in Europe is not duplicated. But Fertilizer Canada also cited, quote, closed door meetings with the government where the possibility of taking the EU approach was indeed considered. And according to internal memos that True North has sourced, Fertilizer Canada's concerns were well founded. Because in June 2021, a briefing note describes the EU's policy framework as, quote, an opportunity for Canada to align itself with the EU. On a shared commitment to sustainable agriculture. The Dutch government previously unveiled their ambitious plan to cut nitrogen emissions by a whopping 50 percent, but the move immediately led to nationwide protests from farmers and even the resignation of Netherlands agriculture minister at the time. Rachel, the release of each part of the fertilizer files has really been an eye-opener in terms of what's going on behind the scenes with the federal government's attempts to reduce emissions in the agricultural sector. It's really something that they would talk about these voluntary targets. It's a little unclear to me why there has to be a government program that is just voluntary. One thinks surely something mandatory is coming along. And we find that yes, in part one of the fertilizer files, mandatory reductions have indeed been considered, which are acknowledged to be something that could reduce the Canadian food supply, harm farmers' incomes, and jack up the price of food in Canada, And we also learn in subsequent releases that they knew there would be negative repercussions. And here in part three, we're learning that this EU model, which has been a disaster, it's caused riots, that that was in part the model for all of this.
2: It's pretty shocking, especially when, as you mentioned, we've already seen how this has played out in the Netherlands. And it got to the point where the Dutch agriculture minister was forced to resign over the response to policies that he was pushing. So it's pretty incredible that Canada is still pursuing these policies However, I would note that there has been a fair number of scandals within this local government since they've been in power. And even when we've uncovered some maybe unflattering things about some of Trudeau's ministers, they haven't resigned. So it doesn't really seem like we have that same standard of politics here in Canada that traditionally we used to have and certainly that are still seen in other countries.
1: Rachel, one of the things that I find so remarkable about all of this is that there's already acknowledgement that the agriculture sector is doing a lot to reduce their inputs because that's just efficient for them all across the line. For their bottom line, they're already reducing fertilizer usage. And yet the government comes in and says, oh no, no, you need the government to tell you what to do. And we already see there can be so many spin-off disasters from all of that. And this is consistent with how there are just so many examples, really in the past 12 months of the federal liberals wanting to boss people around and boss sectors around in the name of their climate zealotry, banning plastic bags, telling the automotive sector the exact percentage of electric vehicles they must sell in relation to uh, more traditional vehicles they're selling. I mean, it's just yet another sign of them using this aggressive top-down management for the climate ideology.
2: Well, that's exactly right. I mean, when you take a look at Canada's energy sector it's one of the cleanest in the world and producers and providers have found ways to make it the cleanest in the world you know they care about being sustainable and being ahead of the curve on these things because they know it will make them more attractive for investment from other countries and more people will want Canada oil but it's so funny that even our own federal government is unwilling to recognize the move that the sector has taken to advance and become sustainable and have clean energy And it's the same that we're seeing throughout all the sectors. I think the approach here in Alberta and certainly the one that Premier Smith has promoted is let the sectors and the industries figure it out for themselves. They're already working on these things. And if we give them enough time, everyone is headed in that direction anyways. So I really don't think we need the federal government to get involved here and force these things that sectors are already working on and will happen on their own given a proper amount of time. after being canned by alberta premier daniel smith former alberta chief medical health officer dina hinshaw is back hinshaw has been hired on a six-month contract as british columbia's deputy provincial health officer the bc government said hinshaw will quote support the work of the office of the provincial health officer dr bonnie henry while filling in for another deputy provincial health officer who was on assignment hinshaw had served as alberta's top doctor since january 28 2019 and was responsible for the province's COVID-19 response. Under Hinshaw's leadership, former Alberta Premier Jason Kenney implemented vaccine mandates and closed schools and churches. During the United Conservative Party leadership race last summer, Premier Smith campaigned on firing Hinshaw, and she made good on that promise shortly after becoming Premier. Anthony, Hinshaw was so incredibly controversial in Alberta, especially towards the end of her tenure when it had come out that she had received... Over 200000 in a COVID bonus, making her payment for the year well over half a million dollars. That really rubbed all the wrong way, especially because under her orders, businesses were being closed and shuttered and people weren't even really able to leave their homes. And so... I felt like when she was fired here in Alberta, there was sort of a relief across the province. I'm wondering what kind of reception you think she'll receive in BC. I've already sensed online that it's quite a bit different. People there seem very happy to have her. Obviously the political landscapes are very different, but I'm wondering what you make of the situation.
1: Well, let's be clear here. Dina Hinshaw has the last laugh because I know some people are saying, oh, she's been demoted. She was the boss. Now she's the deputy in another province, just a six month contract. But to your point about the payouts there, She's moving from one pretty high-paying position that came with a nice bonus to another pretty high-paying position. So I think it's a, definitely a net positive for her. We'll be interesting to see what the interplay here is between Dina Henshaw and Bonnie Henry because let's not forget there was a time where Bonnie Henry was actually the most liberal-minded in terms of COVID restrictions in the country. She was the one who first out of the gate said, we got to treat this thing just like the flu when Dina Henshaw, I don't think, was there yet. So what's going to happen or is it all water under a bridge in terms of the fact COVID's pretty much beyond us and they're just going to go back to continuing to monitor E. coli outbreaks and make sure restaurants are properly inspected. What do you think?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think I sense from all provinces sort of a desire to put the COVID-19 pandemic behind them. I'm not really seeing a lot of discussion on COVID-19 restrictions. I think we saw a little bit coming out of Ontario earlier this year, and the government just had no interest in re-implementing those restrictions. I don't think it's politically popular right now. I think the majority of people who want to reintroduce restrictions is definitely a minority of Canadians, a very small minority. We certainly saw that in Ottawa, which is, you know, it is a very liberal province, and there was big desire for COVID-19 restrictions there. And when they sought to reintroduce mask mandates at a school level, there was just no appetite for that. So I think certainly all across Canada, people are sort of turning the page and looking through the next chapter. So I don't know how much COVID-19 restrictions will really come into play, but you're absolutely right that Hinshaw is getting the last laugh here. And I'm certainly curious to see if that six month contract is extended or given another contract following. Obviously she's filling in for someone here, but you know, if it's a good fit, I think we'll know that because they'll make a spot for her in the government permanently
1: following those six months. Federal Conservative leader Pierre Polyev is pushing back against British Columbia's new drug decriminalization rules. On Wednesday, Polyev told reporters that BC's permissive policy on illicit drug use has been a failure. Here's what that sounded like.
0: Decriminalization has been in in place in BC now since about 2017. In reality, the results are in. The debate is over. It has been a disaster, Uh, an absolute abject failure. You not only need to take a walk down the streets of East Vancouver, where addicts lay face-first on the pavement, where people are living permanently in tents and encampments, but you just need to look at the data. A 300% increase in drug overdose deaths in British Columbia since Trudeau took office eight years ago. The Trudeau NDP approach is on open display in Vancouver. It is a complete disaster. It is on earth. We're going to reverse that policy and we're going to reverse it we're going to replace it with recovery and treatment. That's what works. And again, the debate is over on that as well. In Alberta, they doubled the number of treatment beds from 4,000 to 8,000 and they've cut in half the number of overdoses. We need to save our brothers, our sisters, our neighbors, our friends from the scourge of drug addiction and a polyev government will make sure there is treatment and recovery to do that.
1: British Columbia's three year program will allow adults to carry up to 2.5 grams of illicit substances, such as cocaine and crack. Now, the province said Tuesday's move will remove barriers for addicts, enabling their recovery. Rachel, very strong words from Pierre Polyev. And I find it very interesting that we're watching conservative voices really across the country say that this is an issue that they really care about and they're really going to push for in terms of uh, people who are dying on the streets an opioid crisis that's getting out of control and we don't hear too much of that coming from the left these days they have their their own approach to things they're talking about a harm reduction ideology but it looks like conservatives are really trying to own this issue now
2: I think conservatives are hitting the nail on the head I wish that they had paid closer attention to this a little earlier on I mean we're seeing the effects of these harm reduction policies across our Canadian cities currently and the results are disastrous and we don't want Canada to turn into Los Angeles where people just are not safe at all on the streets. We're seeing that a little bit in Vancouver currently. I think Pierre Polyev is really right on these remarks. Harm reduction is not... A proper way to have someone live people that come through addictions and recovery when they talk about their experiences they don't say "Yeah, I'm grateful for the years that I was able to live on the streets no they were grateful that they were able to recover from their addiction because that's no way to have someone live and I don't know why we're encouraging these policies so I'm glad that conservative politicians are paying attention to the issues and they're trying to reform our cities because our cities are becoming unsafe to live in even here in Alberta you go to Edmonton you trying to use the public transit it's just not safe for people. There's open drug use in the subway system and on the trains. And I think it's time that we really take these issues seriously before our cities are overrun and become unlivable.
1: Rachel, you wrote a powerful feature, an interview with Danielle Smith's chief of staff, who himself is a former drug addict who lived on the streets of Vancouver. And he's now recovered. He talks about his experiences and he talks about the importance of recovery. And he's going to be playing a hands-on role, uh, broadening treatment facilities and access to beds in the province. Uh, Tell us a bit more about that direction.
2: Yeah, so Alberta is the province in Canada that's taking this issue most seriously right now. Under former premier Jason Kenney, the province did a lot of work on getting these, what are called treatment centers and community centers open so they can actually help addicts through recovery. And so basically we're seeing the first of those treatment centers is gonna be opening in Red Deer next month. But the province has plans for, I believe about five more of them. These treatment centers are huge. They're the size of football fields. I went and I toured one earlier this week and it's a really nice facility and that's what the province is focusing on right now they want to have beds available and free so that people when they're given the option for treatment there's beds available in spaces for them so that they can go right away and they're not put on you know a one-year two-year waiting list because people don't have one years or two years especially with the introduction of so much fentanyl on the streets you know marshall was saying to me if i had been on the streets now his case was about you know 17 years ago He's like, I just don't know if I would have lived through it because people are just not living as long because the drugs are so much more dangerous than they used to be. So this is the Alberta government's approach. They wanna have enough beds and spaces for people. And I think we're gonna start seeing the impacts of that in our cities like Red Deer and Edmonton where the problems are really, really bad. You know, within the next couple of years, we will be able to see an actual impact of, oh, there's less people on the streets. Our cities are feeling safer. And I'm sure we'll have just a host of people who are coming out of these programs and through recovery and that are going to be sharing their experiences with us and I think it'll be very obvious that Vancouver has the wrong approach at that point.
1: That's it for today and don't forget to check in at www.tnc.news throughout the day for all the news you need to know and if you're able please consider supporting independent media at donate.tnc.news. Thanks for listening and have a great
0: day.